Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. Today we are very lucky to have a Genevieve Thiers with us. She's the founder of... Hi! <laughs> hey, thanks Genevieve for coming on. <laughs> uh, she... No, no problem. She's the founder of uh, Sitter City, uh, which is a platform that matches sitters with parents uh, who need childcare. And and all of us parents need that, that's for sure. So she started way back in <laughs> 2001, and I asked Genevieve to come on the Flyover Labs because she has a huge amount of experience build a, building a platform over the last 15 years and dealing with all those issues way before the Ubers and Airbnbs. And, uh, and, and she's also investing in companies now, not to mention that her husband's a part, business partner. So we got a lot of things to chat about, um, but we'll try to – let's keep this down to about 20 minutes. So uh, Genevieve, you, you ready to start uh, diving in? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, great. So, uh, maybe a, a brief overview of your background would be great. And I mean, a lot of it, a lot of your career has probably been with Sitter City, but uh, just a little bit of background. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I have a crazy background, um, Dave. I, I sort of started um, as an opera singer, and then um, the company sort of exploded, and I was like, great. But um, now I'm sort of back to helping it a lot and funding women in tech with being an opera singer. So so it's been a funny story. Um, Sitter City came about when I was in college. I saw a nine-month pregnant mother climbing 200 steps, posting flyers for a sitter and thought, oh my gosh, why? And, you know, I realized that her only option at that point was a nanny agency that cost 2000 bucks and you know, in my head kept going, uh, you know, the phrase, why can't someone make a match.com, but for parents and caregivers. So that's essentially what I went out and built And the early days were pretty funny. I mean, like just totally every funny story you've ever heard about a tech startup ever, you know, it happened to us. Um, you know, we did manage to, um, I have a large team here in Chicago by 06. Um, you know, we were national by that point. Um, and yeah, I mean, the story just continues. Today, Sitter City has, you know, literally millions of users worldwide. Um, you know, we serve the US, UK, and Canada. Um, and, you know, we, we have a, a match made about, uh, you know, once a minute in terms of parent caregivers. So it, it, it's a really neat story. Wow. And so how did you first uh, start it back in college? It's, 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 it's not easy starting a platform because you need the sitters and you need the parents. So that's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, two-sided marketplaces, which I didn't know the the phrase then, you know, but I was was just doing it naturally. But two-sided marketplaces are incredibly hard. So what I would do is I would literally, you know, um, I had two college friends, you know, build the site with me. You know, I kind of drew it on paper, you know, and then um, I uh, grabbed, you know, like 20,000 flyers and began throwing them in backpacks, went college by college and flyered. And so, um, you know, by the time I opened Boston, it had about 600 sitters and about 100 moms, you know, that I had just literally found on the street or, you know, in the supermarket. (laughs) And it just blew up from there because, you know, you really did need to just have one place where she could go to find everybody. Uh, you know, it was funny though. I was getting laughed out of the room with a lot of VCs because, like, they were guys. They didn't really quite get it. You know, their wives had probably done the done the arranging, and so you know, I heard a lot of my wife handles that, and it's a babysitters club. So, you know, I, while I wasn't getting funded back then, you know, I I was getting customers left and right. So it was a very interesting kind of growth pattern. Interesting. And so, what? Who? Who? Was this just a 
internal hustle that you had back then because you know, you're young and to put that together to have 600 sitters by the time you launch is pretty impressive like did some did you have a mentor or was that just uh you going out no i just went i mean like for me it's just you know it's very practical i think women build in a very practical way and you know most of us unfortunately women in tech um just hit a wall at the series a i mean a a guy who you know um has never dealt with a beauty-based problem with spas or a fashion-based problem with clothes isn't going to fund those things and so you know because six percent of these these are women it's still actually an issue women are still running into what i ran into back then but I just saw a problem. I just wanted to fix it. You know, it, it's not like women entrepreneurs are any different. You know, um, I think it's just we're, we're less understood. So that, that's actually where my current fund comes from. I have a fund called High Note Investments that basically we have about, let's see, six investments now um, in in new, you know, women in tech companies, you know, because – I understand them. So like I, one of my companies is called it's by you. They have the cost of well, wedding flowers with a DIY model. Mm. I mean, that's awesome, you know, but if you've never gotten married or arranged a wedding, you might not see how valuable that is. So interesting. And how, and how are you helping those companies just uh, mentoring them? And Well, it's an investment. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically an investment and okay. then I, and then I follow it up with anything they need. If they, if they need an introduction, I'll make the introduction. If, if I mean, you know, it's really pretty organic. I mean, I also don't have a huge fund at all. It's quite small, but, um, you know, it's something. I mean, I feel like women who succeed, uh, you know, if they care about this, you know, could really make an impact giving back. The only problem is, and this is so sad, there are literally next to no women that are out there running companies or succeeding to be able to give back. Um, and so there's a core group of women here in Chicago that are talking about this nonstop. And we're, we're trying to find a way to get a better and easier pathway for women and moms, you know, to be able to create companies mm-hmm. so that there's more of us to succeed and give back. Interesting. Oh, that's great. And, and do you think, um, your, your opera training and experience, how has that uh, influenced your entrepreneurial career? I think opera singers are amazing entrepreneurs. I mean, we, we have to sell ourselves from day one. When you walk out on a stage, you really have six, six seconds to capture everybody. It, It can be in your demeanor. It can be in your eyes. I mean, the first couple of notes are critically important. There's a, there's a charisma you have to find and learn to channel that, um, you know, I just channel it again in the sales room, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's funny, whenever you're opening your mouth to sing, you're basically saying, I have something that will help you, you know, grow. That's what you're saying to the audience. And, you know, in a sales room, when you're pulling people together around a cause, be it, you know, Sitter City's cause of emancipating mom and making sure that, you know, no mother in the world has trouble finding care ever again, you know, or around a cause like, you know, making sure that women in tech, you know, are, are able to run, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what you're unifying people around, but I suppose I approach business like an activist, you know, I unify around a cause and you're sort of doing that and you're thinking, you're like, Hey, I've got this great Puccini aria. Everybody rally around this. Cause it's just going to rock your world. You know, <laughs> it's very similar. 
I like it. I never thought about but that, but it makes a lot of sense. It's all about the entrance, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and for everyone, I did find at least one clip of you uh, singing, so we will probably post Oh, God. I just finished. You're quite good. I, I was saying I went back to opera. I just, I just sang in The Merry Widow at Chicago Lyric alongside Renee Fleming and, and Thomas Hampson. I mean, total crazy situation. I do have an agent and I've gone back to performance, wow. <laughs> you know, now that I'm on the center city board. And so I'm like, literally I got cast in this amazing role at Lyric where I basically, my character is a big snob and she makes fun of Renee Fleming. Like every night I just did 12 shows of the Mary widow at Lyric on stage. I, 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 it felt like a dream. I still don't really feel like it <laughs> happened. I mean, that's what I really want. And I, I got to do it. Cause do you continue to sing opera? while uh, running Sitter City? Uh, I have to. I'm obsessed with singing. I mean, (laughs) it's bizarre because it's like, that's what I've always really wanted, but I just do love the tech world too. And so I'm in this bizarre, like opera singing CEO kind of world, but I love it. You know, I mean, I can't let go of the singing. I mean, being on stage at Lyric was the most unbelievable, uh, you know, thing. I, I, I was so lucky to be able to have done that, and I'll never forget it. That might have been the coolest thing I'll ever do in my life. (laughs) No, well, who knows? Yeah, (laughs) maybe it'll get Mm. cooler. And I mean, who knows? I'm 38. We'll see. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You got you got a a few decades left. Um, What? uh, Were you nervous before those shows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're all nervous. We just learned to hide it well. It's all acting. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, I mean, here's why I managed to succeed. I mean, my trick is that I'm a comedian, so... I do really do comedic characters. I mean, I basically, if I, if I'm a, if I'm doing a comedic character, I will succeed. You know, I will be fine because, you know, once, once people see you, they're in on the joke and then it just feels like you're all in on the joke. And and that's, that's how I, you know, get over that because it really can be like terrifying to go in front of people, you know, 3,800 people, you know, a night. Well, I mean, that, just like with uh, the startups, I mean, you're just willing to do it. Like you have that, conf- you have enough confidence, right? To which is hard to get to just start it and throw yourself out there, which is uh, quite impressive. And, that, and well, I, you know, it does. It's funny because now going back to the acting world, I'm like, there are people that just do this. They take it for granted that they walk in front of 3,800 people a night and you know entertain and i i it's so funny because i look at the actors and i'm like god do you guys have any idea how good you'd be as entrepreneurs like mm. i just fell into it by accident but you know like honestly i want to sit down and have a seminar for a lot of these guys because they're amazing interesting just just by like the presence they give and the, the confidence they give off when they're on stage yeah right uh, i mean uh, it's really amazing yeah never thought about that but it makes it yeah makes a ton of sense um so going back to so um Sitter City how so how did you raise that first series A and I I think you Sitter City has raised over 40 million 43 million dollars how, how Yeah roughly I mean like we did a series A and a series B and some venture debt so yeah I mean um you know um I I finally so we had a very interesting situation around when we were raising the A which was um you know we we basically had um 
Lehman go down. So our timing was a little bit nuts because it was, you know, just as the world was kind of falling apart. But the good news was, is that we had these really wonderful, you know, VCs who stuck by us, even though Lehman was going down, you know, they didn't play games and that was wonderful. And so we funded the company. We just got on with it and the world, you know, lo and behold, you know, stayed on its feet, you know, thankfully. And so, you know, that was a great, opening into a series A, I mean, like you, you automatically trust your board when you've been through something like that with them. And then, um, you know, Martin, actually our new CEO who I worked with for two years, was, was mostly the lead on raising the series B, um, you know, but I was definitely out there. I was very actively involved in that. So, you know, I mean, it, it kind of goes in waves. Um, you know, all I would say to new entrepreneurs is just try to make sure you have a double-sided team in place where one person can focus internally on the company and the other can focus on fundraising because it is exhausting to fundraise. It is more than a full-time job. Oh yeah, no, that's good. That's good advice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm curious about the the trust issue because when everybody sees something like you know the sitters, they're like, oh well, how can I trust the sitters? How, how have you? How did you go over that initially? And um. Yeah. What? I mean, and still, is that is that an issue? Are people, or is that not much of an issue anymore since people are so comfortable with online? But initially, it must have been a bear to get those first. <coughs> Pardon me. So, um, uh, not really. I mean, so here's here's the trust thing as I see it, and it really never was a big deal. So. The fact that a mom, you know, back in 2000 had to fly her college campuses alone on foot to find a caregiver was absurd. And the fact that nanny agencies were sitting around saying, oh, gosh, it would be $2,000 to match you with a nanny. But, oh, they're so much safer because we've screened them. It's also absurd. I mean, who are these people? Why are they more qualified to screen someone coming into your home? So for me, again, as an activist or sort of as a big emancipator, I was like, that's stupid. So what we did when we created Sitter City was we just put everything in the caregiver's profile. So a mom would look at the profile and the sitter would have posted the background check for her so she could see if the sitter passed it or not. Done. You know, and then there was... um you know, five-star reviews she could look at from parents, you know, like we have an Amazon-style review system, and the references, you know, are posted right there in the account. Like, you know, here are my two references, Mom, and and then you do the interview. Oh, those are my kids in the background. (laughs) So, um, so, yeah. Are you going to go swimming? Oh. But anyway, you know, I mean, it's so so it became a situation where we were like, Mom, you know, you screen the care coming into your home. We'll make it easy for you. And she got it from day one. It really wasn't an issue. Now, though, we're launching a new product called Chime, and it's truly amazing. This is the last year. We, we're launching an on-demand care app. It's basically sitters on demand, and it works just like the same model as Uber, you know, you go in and you say, I need someone Wednesday from six to 10 and, um, you know, three sitters pop up and then you're like, I like Ashley, you know? So, um, you click Ashley and she shows up payments back end. It's beautiful. Those, yeah, the chime sitters, those sitters, we actually interview in house. So we want to make things even easier for mom by doing some level of preliminary screening. Cause she's asked us for this. Um, so basically we, we do an hour-long interview with her. We do an enhanced background check, ID verification, then we scrape over 300 social media sites. But to give you an idea, we're not charging her $2,000 for that either. Chime is free. It's free to use. You know, so so basically we get a cut of every job because now we're controlling payments. We're helping parents, you know, 
every step of the way to like break open the model so it's easy for them. But for us, you know, if we're if we're able to facilitate payments, you know, it's easy to take a small cut and nobody cares because the the you know interactions are getting so much easier. So um, you know, in our mind, we're just kind of. Trust is a big, big thing, sure, but, you know, it's one of those where we're putting her in the driver's seat, no matter what, to, you know, find and hire and screen. And if she uses Chime, you know, she's still in the driver's seat. You know, it's just that we're helping her a little bit more with screening. Interesting. That's smart. And, uh, yes, and everybody, we're, we're doing this on a Sunday, so... We're, we're both at home, so that's, that's the kids. Yeah, is, my kids are <laughs> excited about swimming, huh? I like it. And mm-hmm. so we're pretty much out of time here. Um, and so how, one last question about Chime. How will you uh, – because I imagine it will take a little bit longer to – release it nationwide because you have to bring people in-house it's very hard yeah Yeah, it's another double-sided marketplace so imagine i mean like here in chicago we have about a i'd say you know a a very strong core now time sitters um we're in four markets right now it's chicago boston dc and new york and we we basically have to go you know, literally city by city, but when I say city, not the suburbs, just the city. So right now we serve Chicago itself up to Evanston, but you know, we can't serve Oak Park yet. We can't serve Highland Park yet because we have to find, interview, and prep these sitters, then onboard them into, you know, our calendaring process and 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 then, you know, like have Chime marketed to the mom. So it's definitely <clears throat> a tighter launch than we've done before. Sitter City itself was kind of like dropping water on a map because we would just basically, you know, we'd go into a market, gather a thousand sitters, and it would just grow. But this one, we have to actually find and, you know, do the pre-screen on, let's say, 600 sitters in Chicago proper and have them waiting so that when we market to mom, you know, we have to make sure when mom actually puts in the date and time she needs somebody that three sitters come up. So it's just a tighter roll out but it's no less exciting um i am personally loving every minute i work with this because it's the easiest sale ever like we talked to her about like what we built she's like oh thank you you know i mean i get hugs so i mean that's that's why we need more moms building for moms you know yeah exactly i could i could see uh, myself and uh, my friends using something like that it's, it's uh when you, especially when they need that last second uh sitter and, they, boom, they and I don't mean to neglect the dads. I know that actually it's probably about 50-50 our bookings are oh, moms yeah. and dads. Yeah. This this is great for dads too because the dad doesn't have to worry. On Sitter City, Dad always had an issue where like he would he would go you know to a sitter and say, hey, can you sit on Friday? And she'd go, oh gosh, it's a guy. Can I trust this guy? I mean, like it's not a, a mom reaching out. So like we've actually really legitimately talked to a bunch of dads who are like, thank you for time because <laughs> it removes that creep factor of them like you know just by being a guy being like hey can you come over Saturday I mean like it removes that because they can just do the booking and be like hi here's my kids it's all good you know I don't know it's a great emancipator I would say (laughs) all right well I think we're out of time but Genevieve definitely appreciate you uh coming on the show and uh uh, good luck with uh chime and uh and opportunity Yeah, please keep an eye out for it. It's going to rock your socks. And sorry about my kids again, but you know what? That's that's what most of us are dealing with. So it kind of adds to the interview, I think. (laughs) That's perfect. There you go. Uh, (laughs) All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Jeremy. Okay. Bye-bye.